Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Y'all, tis the season. Tis the season for holiday cheer and all that good stuff. And for a lot of people, tis the season for gift giving. I'm not going to lie. I'm a pretty big gift giver. Well, actually, I'm a horrendous and terrible gift giver, but I still like it. It actually makes it real tough because whenever I really nail it, nothing feels better for me. But I often uh, crash and burn miserably in my gift giving uh, attempts, leading me to feel, uh, you know, a sense of overall futility in December, which is not what you want. This has started off weird, I suppose, but listen, (laughs) whether or not you or your family gives gifts during the holidays, you can still define how you give to yourself. All right. And the holidays are the perfect time to do that. We all know the holidays can be stressful. They can be trying in a lot of ways, whether you have a tremendous relationship with your family or not, it's just that time of year. So, whether it's starting, whether it's by starting therapy, going easier on yourself during these tough moments, or treating yourself to a day of complete rest, just remember to give yourself some love this holiday season. All right. Uh, Cho, tell us about your personal experience with BetterHelp. Well, aside from just talking on these ads, I've also spoken, uh, pun not intended, ad nauseum about my results with therapy, specifically that of BetterHelp, because it genuinely changed my life. Like I consider my life segmented into two parts. There's before therapy and after therapy. And I do not ever want to go back to the before therapy part. Uh, Somebody like me, who's a dude, you know, with this accent, maybe you're out there and you didn't grow up in a place that like was conducive to getting help. I totally understand, but we're, you know, we're hoping that stigma goes away, but now it's like easier than ever. Cause one of my hangups was like, I don't want to go to a place and have to meet a person and with better help. You don't have to do that. That's my favorite part. I could do it all on the computer. And also if you don't, if you're not lucky the first time with a therapist, you can get another one and it's not going to charge you anything. I, we nailed it on my first go. That was great. It was a dude who sounded like me who had a similar upbringing, which I think personally is very important uh, with a therapist, but you can keep going until you find the right fit for you. And like I said, you know, you're not having to go anywhere. You can do it at your convenience. And man, you know, there's just so many little things that you don't realize are stressors in your life that your therapist can really help you focus on how to remove them for your life or at least help you cope with them. Uh, so I, I could not recommend better help enough. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give better help a try. 
All right, y'all. So in the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash POA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash POA. Get your brain right, y'all. What's up, Airheads? We're back. It's time once again for Putting On Airs. We're here in the virtual Airstream studios. Uh, we're about to switch. We're going to switch it up this week. We teased last week that we might... You know, we're just going to see how it goes. We can go right back to it. We can do whatever we want here, and it'll hit for y'all, I assume. But anyway, Joe's going to be going first today, uh, talking about Jackie O in a little bit. And then I've got some minutia for you a little later that, I've, of course, I got mostly from Reddit. Where else? But before that, some breaking news happened today. I feel like he's uh -oh. a pretty fancy feller. Norman Lear passed away at the tender right. age of 101. Um, bring up Norman Lear because, again... You know, I mean, he was the king of uh, television media for five decades or something like that. Probably there's the most so successful many things, TV guy of all time, I would yeah, think. Yeah, there's so many things that we have today in media that would not exist if it was not for Norman Lear. Like, his imprint on this business is un, probably unmatched by any other human being. Yeah, so, um, but I brought it up because, and I, you know... Anytime somebody like this dies, everybody be posting pictures they took with them and things like that and whatnot. And I've always, and I've done that before in the past, but I've always felt weird about it. I'm not doing that on social media with this, but I'm about to do it on here because I've always thought it's a genuinely good anecdote. Otherwise, I wouldn't be sharing it. It's not me trying to make it about myself, but I did. For the I've, record, just to make you not feel weird, like. I think that's great that people do that. It's a tribute, like, and also, like, I, I would want, when I die, I want the internet to be nothing but pictures of my big-ass head with people and them talking yeah, about how okay, much I what, what, what I really mean is, like, of course, the people that, like, people that were, and I don't know, all the people I've seen, I don't know their relationship with Norman Lear. People that had a genuine relationship with the man, of course they should do it. Uh, right. I just think it's a little, it would be a little weird for me to make one of those posts when I've met him twice ever. And I'm sure he did. And that's what I mean. It's like, but it's not I, about I your relationship. It's about that man and what he meant to you and what he means to all of I us. Know, but, it, but people, but people, if you're, I don't know, post like there's, uh, there's plenty of eulogizing going on from people who actually knew him. If you're just some random sure. dude, you, it's like hopping on a bandwagon or something. It just Maybe. feels weird to me. I, I just I think the whole you. thing I'm feels just weird. Saying, it, People that think it's weird, like, like people, anyone that would think you were weird for doing it, like, fuck that. Like, I just think that Norman Lear is the type of person that needs to be celebrated. And, like, I, I just love that. That's one of my favorite, like, Hollywood fucking sucks. America fucking sucks at times. But one of my favorite things about us is that, like, there are people that are, like, larger than life. And we recognize this as, as a society. Like, this was an important person, and they have passed, and we shall you know, we should talk about it and give them their proper flowers. So I don't think you should feel weird at all. Well, all that being said, I had uh, had two meals with Norman Lear. Uh, I had a lunch with him and a dinner with him, which was wild. I met him through, of course, my friends Callie and T-Bone, the hitness people I know outside of perhaps Al Gore, and I met them through Al Gore. So um, there's that. But anyway... Through them, I did, I went and had lunch with him once, and then we had dinner with him another time. And I've told this anecdote plenty of times in real life because I find it to be pretty wild, personally. I hope it lands for y'all. I don't know if I've ever told it in public before, and I'm pretty sure I haven't told it on POA. So 
first time I ever met Norman Lear, uh, he's 98 years old. He was 101 right now. He was 97 or 98 when I met him. Cause this was like three or four years ago. Right afterwards and, is when he started getting sick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I precipitated <laughs> his decline. Uh, I, did, I am a bit of a harbinger of doom. Uh, uh, there's a very popular podcast. In fact, that just ended forever. And I was the very last guest ever on it. Um, so <laughs> podcast. I don't, uh, it's called a Blinken's top hat. It was on. Yeah, the, no, the, they're not doing any more bummer. Well, you, I mean, there's a pretty big reason why, but I don't want to win. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. yeah. No, a, you're right. I, there's just a lot of, a lot of drama, a lot of stuff going on over there that we'd probably or not wade into and I got nothing sure. to do with us. But so anyway, uh, yeah, I'm a harbinger of doom and I killed Norman Lear. Yeah. That's the whole story. <laughs> no, what I met him. And of course I know I'm a big big comedy and TV nerd. I'm very aware of the importance of Norman Lear. So I'm pretty nervous. I meet him. I have no idea how much I said, this is three or four years ago. This is more like five or six years ago. And that is important. This is, it'll be relevant in a minute. Uh, I have no idea how much Callie and T-Bone told him about me before I got there. I don't know if he just met me, heard my accent, where you from? Oh, Tennessee, whatever. If that's all he knew or if Callie and T-Bone had told him a little bit more like, Oh yeah, he's like this, what a progressive he'll be. I have no idea how much information he had, but all I do know is I met him, talked to him for max 10, 15 minutes. And then he pitches me his idea for what he thinks a hitting TV show for me would be right. Which first of all, that's just rad by itself. It's, it's awesome. Like, that's just what he does. Like, that's just how, how he's brain, speaks. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. he, you're right. He like meets a new person and immediately starts thinking like, what kind of TV show could I make right. around this guy? Like right? we, we're is, accused all the time of like, as comedians, like we talk in bits, even if it's not an established right. bit, but like immediately we start forming whatever conversation into a bit. And he's so much more complex that all of his conversations end up being one sheets for how to right. do a television right. show. And so I guess he was doing that to me and talking to me and he pitches me his idea for what he thinks would be a hit and TV show for me to be in. And the show he pitched me was almost word for word, exactly the righteous gemstones at least a year or more before the righteous gemstones ever came out or was announced publicly. Like it was not a thing at the time. It was probably in pre-production or something, but it wasn't a public thing. Nobody knew about right. it. I'd never heard about it. And for the record, I'm not implying that anybody on either side took the idea. Oh, of course not. All I'm that's saying just, no. is that's how hidden of an idea it clearly was, was that he right. came up with off the top of his head. Cause he was like, he was like, I, he's like, you, you got, you got a brother, maybe a couple of brothers. You guys are the sons of this, like, this uh, massive televangelist preacher who's huge in the South, but you get, you know, and there's like a sibling rivalry. You know, he goes into this whole thing and it was basically just the righteous gemstone gemstones, but before the righteous gemstones was created. So I'm saying obvious home run out of the park idea. Yeah, he had off the dome at lunch at 98 years old after talking to me for 10 minutes or whatever. That is how Norman Lear was, which I He's think a one is of, pretty yeah. wild. He's a one of one type dude, you know, uh, as far, you know, and I consider Mel Brooks that in comedy cinema, Norman Lear was a hundred percent that in sitcoms, like he changed, dude, he changed the fucking game. Like a lot of people really don't understand how wild and how groundbreaking, uh, all in the family was like, right. like it's, it's just such a thing that was always there for us now. But like, dude, at the time, 
for someone because like at that time all of television was just like we want to make people happy and for our advertisers to sell toothpaste right we're not really trying to make any type of social commentary we're not trying to divide anyone and here comes norman lear with like I think I know how to do it, but in a way that a lot of people won't even know that's how I'm doing it. So it'll hit for a lot of people on so many different levels. And uh, Archie Bunker and Meathead's relationship is one of the most important relationships in television history, all because of this man who I don't know if anybody called him this. Surely they did. King Lear. Yeah, King Lear. It does. You would think you would have heard yeah. that more. It does seem so obvious, but uh I also, I just realized something else because I, I might come across to people. I want to make it clear. Um, this was an informal thing just at a lunch. I don't want people to get any impression that he was actually pitching to me, hey, let's do this. Let's do it. Because yeah. I, no, I don't want don't people think. God, about to say, because I don't want people thinking that I was like, no, no, I'm good. Because that is not what happened. It was just him just like spitballing, saying like, here's, the thing, you you, should, here's the thing you should try. He wasn't saying, yeah. let's do this together or nothing. Just Because so later know. you auditioned for that show and they made a great decision of not casting you and instead that is, casting that is Tony true. Cavalera. <laughs> well, I mean... To be fair, that's also, yes, a you, you, couple years later when Righteous Gemstones became a thing, I did audition for the role of, of Adam uh, Adam Devine's best friend character, and uh, I just did it super old boy, just, re just like dumb redneck character yeah. guy, which I felt was like pretty much how he was written from the way I interpreted it. And also that audition I thought went pretty good. I had him cracking up in the room and stuff. It felt just like goes it to show, hit, yeah. and I was like, and in my head I was like, well, I'm actually kind of right for that. And I think that was a good audition. All right, we'll see nothing. Then the show yeah. comes out and I watch it and I see that character and I see Tony playing him and immediately it hit for me because immediately I was like, Oh God, that I wasn't even fucking close. close. I was like, yeah. I wasn't even in the ballpark of what they were going for with that guy. Cause he was like, it was just so, so different than what I was trying to do. And it made me feel better about not getting it. Well, I don't know. He probably don't want me to say that. Um, but uh, we know somebody else who's also auditioned for that show like multiple times now and uh -huh. hasn't gotten onto it. And it's like begun to piss him off. <laughs> I, well, I've only but, I auditioned for it once and uh, I play, I was going to be Eli's nephew. And I too, it was like at the time, I'm sure looking back, I'd be like, Oh God, that was horrible. But at the time I was like, that's a, you, you really crushed, you know, at that I worked on it with our buddy Earl. And then, uh, then I saw who they got to play that. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I wasn't even close. <laughs> yeah. It always hits when that happens. I've had the opposite happen, too. I've auditioned for things before. I remember one of them was a Southern lawyer, uh, mm -hmm. like in Alabama, like a prosecutor, like an asshole prosecutor in Alabama. And I auditioned for that. I remember and that. I, I'm not saying I I'm not saying I crushed it in that audition. But what I am saying is when I saw the movie, the guy that they got to be that character instead it was pretty painful for me because it was like, it was of course a British dude. Yeah. His, yeah. Yeah. His, his accent was abhorrent. Like it was so yeah. bad. It wasn't even fucking close. And that, that sucks when that happens, when you see that, you're like, yeah, Damn, for that's this, a bummer. this is not, cause this ain't it, you know? I, uh, but yeah. Anyway, rest in peace, Norman Lear.
Sorry, I lost you there. Uh, that was the uh, that was the first time that it was really made clear to me just exactly how good your memory is. Like I knew that you had a good memory. It's been a running joke or whatever. But like I remember, you sent me you sent me that audition, or me and you had like run lines for it or something in California because I was out there probably doing POA, and you sent me the audition. You're like, hey man, let me know if I'm playing the you know however we do. I send you my shit. And God damn it, dude, like your audition was like a nine minute monologue or some shit. And I was like, bruh, I was like, did you have your lines taped to the ceiling? You're like, nah, man, some people can just play. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I literally think that's exactly what I said. The, yeah, I know the, it uh, is. I'll never forget it. Will hunt so, it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, anyway, there was one other thing I wanted to ask you about that you actually put in the doc, but you haven't brought up. So I'm gonna bring it up for you. There's and no way we, I remember it. And then we, well, it doesn't matter. See, I actually thought of that. I clicked on it and I was like, he put this in here. I want to bring it up. And immediately, I was like, he won't even remember it though. But <laughs> but I was like, but this is a thing that he doesn't need to re it because it's I, it's asking for your response to a thing, so it doesn't matter okay. if you remember the details or not. Uh, but yeah, we can do this, then you can talk about Jackie O. So apparently, uh, Prince William has been named the sexiest bald alive, mm, or, yeah. or the sexiest sexiest bald of the year by whatever publication ranks balds, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. he's number one hitting his bald uh, of 2023, according to, you know, hittingbalds.com or whoever did it. But I just want uh, your reaction to that as a noted bald and, uh, you know, often, uh, critic and connoisseur of all things bald. What do you, what do you think? Never been called a noted bald. And I really appreciate yeah. that. That <laughs> sort of made me feel better about the whole thing. A noted bald Corey Ryan Forster. Well, here's the deal. Here was my immediate response to that was not that I didn't know this, not that it's not obvious, but that like, all of that type of shit is bought and paid for. You know what I mean? Because like, oh, it's it's not just bought and paid for. It's like they have n they don't give one fucking shit about the integrity of like who actually is the hottest bald person out there. They're just going to either the prince had like some deal like, hey, I need to get some really good PR. My dad's king. He's kind of, you know, doing whatever. And Harry is, of course, getting all the press because of what him and Meghan aren't doing. They're getting so much press for not doing shit that I need a little bit of shine. So if you could, I'll give y'all first dibs at when my next kid is born. Y'all can click if you name me the sexiest bald of the year. It either that is what happened or what happened was this paper is like, Oh, I mean, yeah, we could easily give it to Jason Statham, which kind of okay. can't be or which kind of can't be argued. But okay. if we do that, people will see it and go checks out, right? But if we go with this, people are going to be like, "Are you fucking serious right now? That guy's the fucking sexiest." By the way, this isn't which bald person has the most power. This isn't which bald person would you rather end up with. This isn't which bald person's grandmother just died a couple, you know, weeks ago. It's the sexiest fucking bald man. So let's pick the person that no one in their fucking right mind would ever call sexy because it will drum up controversy will sell more papers that's what's happening here knew you weren't going to disappoint you always uh you always stand on bald business i know that much I about you yeah uh 
I was going to ask if you didn't cover it, but you did, who you would give the title to. Jason well, Statham is a good choice. Well, uh, let's go through it. Let's go through it. Jason Statham is a good choice, but I would have I have no doubts that he has probably gotten this title before from this paper. Before you, know? you continue your list, I want to ask you, because I know your general... Your general thesis is that black ball don't count, right? Black ball does not count. No. Do you, black ball so does not, not count. You're not going to consider any, any black ball no, for I'm this not. list. Listen, I'm all about being diverse, but I'm sorry. Yeah. When it comes to ranking the sexiest bald people, I got no room for... For black <laughs> for, for what? For what? <laughs> I know because it, this is the only, listen, and I'll say this, this is the only time when it comes to being bald, it's the only time when anyone goes, God damn it, I wish I was black. It's the but, only time. But isn't isn't the other way to argue it? Because when you say black bald don't count, you're saying that because black guys who are bald, they just still hit real they hard anyway. It well, it also, yeah. Well, Black people have a higher percentage of dudes that are bald by choice. Sometimes right. black dudes, that's how hard black people hit, that they go, I yeah. don't even need hair. What right. you need, Corey, to have any modicum of respect for yourself, I'll shave it the <laughs> fuck off. I'll just take it just off because. because it's just one yeah. less thing I got to deal with because I hit so fucking hard. Michael Jordan could have the best hair on earth, but he was like, you know what? I'm the best at everything else. I don't give a fuck. I'm shaving it. So, no. Well, like, like, look, Idris Elba, he never has hair. That's by choice. That's by choice. Isn't the other way to look at that, though, that perhaps every person on this list should always be a black bald? Do you know what I mean? Yes, Because like, what you're basically saying is that they just hit way harder. At be they hit so hard at being bald that it being bald's not even any kind of knock against them, and that's why black bald don't if count. You're but if black that's true, then every winner of this title every year should be a black bald because by nature, a black bald's always going to hit harder than a yes. white bald. But, like, here's the thing is that, like, when's the last time you even heard someone describe a black bald as bald? Right. If a white guy gets is bald or shaves his head, they go, oh, he's bald now. Can you believe well, he's bald? But, but a black okay. guy, you don't even say it. Like, Montel Jordan but, was bald for years. Nobody said a goddamn but, word. And I'm not saying that this, this in no way negates what you're saying at all. I'm just pointing out. I think that's really only true when they do the full chrome dome, when they shave it yes. all the way, which is why they do that. Because LeBron. I was about to say, because LeBron, dude, caught so much and, hell for so long so for, dumb. His, for his hairline going back. Trey Young is caught, and Trey Lance, maybe I'm, Trey Young, Trey Lance, both. You're right. Uh, that don't bode well, two guys named Trey, but anyway, they both uh, caught shit for their hairline. The, uh, the black community will... They'll rip on you if and your you hairline don't hit. But if you then just shave it all the way down to smooth bald, then yep. everybody everybody rolls with it. That's why the black That's community. That's true for a lot of whites, though, too, Cho. Not is, all of them, but a lot of them. That's why is, a lot of white balds also shave it all the way is because you can pull that but, off okay, easier. Let's go back, though. Let's go back, though. You're correct. You're correct in the sense of, yeah, a lot of white balds should just shave it off. But when a black person starts going bald versus when a white person starts going bald, the reactions from both of their communities are completely different. When a white person starts going bald, a lot of people around them go, oh, no, 
man, he's really hanging on to scraps. They feel bad for them because they know this is something that you need. When a black person goes bald, everyone in their community gets mad at them because they're like, motherfucker, don't you know you could just shave it off and still hit way harder than everybody? So it's different. There's pity in the white community because we know that hair represents so much. There are so many women that if you take away what you got on your head, you're going to have to start making at least $25,000 more a year to make up for that bullshit. In the black community, it's like, bro, what are you doing? We're all shaving ours. You're going to hit really hard. So, like, it's different. But, yes, per what you said, it's a corked bat. A black person should win hitting his bald every single year. Michael Jordan should have cleaned up in the 90s, but that's why, because the thing isn't who's the hitness bald, it's who's the hitness person in spite of being bald. Okay. Right? Who can right. still pull it off? Guys like Bruce Willis, guys like Jason Statham, guys like Captain Jean Luc Picard. All right. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. William. And dude, Jean Luc Picard, Patrick Stewart, man, he's unreal. like, he's he the best had, bald. He was horseshoe bald a lot of a lot of the times. Like not always because when you shave all the way and you're making that hit, whatever, that's one thing. But like he had the sides in the back for a lot for a big portion of his yep. bald career yep. and still pulled that off. That's almost impossible to do. I agree. I, feel like. I agree. Which is what William is doing too. He hasn't completely committed to the the smooth bald. Like he's still got which I do respect a little bit. I'm like, okay, you're still out there. Hey, but can I tell you something right now? And I mean this. I'm not doing a bit. If we're going by who actually looks the best. Larry David is a hotter ball. I was going to bring William. up Larry David. Larry David's not a bad looking guy. It's so funny. I was going to bring him up like almost as a joke, but then you got no, there anyway. That's, but he's yeah. not that. He's not a bad looking guy. And like you talk about bravery, Larry yeah. David not only hasn't slicked it all down, he does the bozo. He gets yeah, right. the bozo going, and the bozo, <laughs> yeah. man. Let me tell you something. I've often thought about like, what if I just went full bozo? <laughs> oh God, dude, if you please, <laughs> please, God, grow out a bozo, dog. I want to. Carlin just, went loose as bozo a towards the know. end. Yeah, he, he was loose. Well, that's a skullet. Carlin had that's a, a skullet. skullet yeah. Or whatever, if I, yeah. if I, I, I've always thought though that the bozo, like how Larry David gets away with it, is that his hair is also otherwise white and gray. Like I feel like once you get into the white and gray, people are like, oh well, it's amazing that you have anything going on there. So go ahead. If I'm 36 years old doing the bozo. And my yeah. hair is just, you know, kind of reddish brown. Like, I'll be Bozo. If you're going to do the Bozo, you can't also look like Bozo. You know uh, what man, I'm I saying? Want you to, I want you to, like, make a comedic rap song called Doing the Bozo. Doing and the then, Bozo. But, and you grow that uh, hair out uh, and, uh, like, yeah, honking your nose and, yeah, dancing around with that clown hair and stuff in the video. That would hit for me very hard. I, I was just going to say Who's your hit this bald? <sighs> I mean, I guess, I guess it's Jason Statham. He's I guess. so hot. It's hard, yeah, right. It's hard to hard to argue against that. Uh, William, you already you covered this. I was just gonna say, to be fair to him, like he was. It's why it's really a, a teeny testament bopper to one, heart throb. It, it, yeah. It's one of your. It's really a testament to one of your primary arguments about the curse that is going bald. Is uh -huh. He's really kind of he's really kind of exhibit A because yep. like. You've been saying this whole time, like he don't hit nobody to say he's sexy or whatever. But like, dude, when we were kids, we were younger. Yep. He was like 
the hottest thing on earth. Right. Now, of course, part of it is that he's a princess, but go was a princess. Yeah. Part of it is that he's a literal prince. That's part of it. But go back and look at them pictures of him when he was like 21 and 22 he or whatever. He was better looking for sure. I mean, my God. He wasn't yeah. just like, but he was like insanely good looking when he was, when he was younger. Yeah. And now he, now he his, bald. And, can I tell you something <laughs> about his face? Can I tell yeah. you something about his face, Trey? Yeah. It's the same face. It's the exact <laughs> same face. Okay? So, yeah, do you want to walk back some of your bullshit you've been saying to me? Like, the best that I can fucking hope for in my life and in my career is that one day some magazine has pity on me and goes, you know what? He don't hit. But yeah. all things considering, not that bad. You yeah. know what I mean? Not that bad. <laughs> That's what that award is. All things considering, yeah. not that bad. Yeah, but I mean, dude, if you the the future Kang, you know, yeah, I, I right. get like I get him not shaving it. I get him, like you said, you do kind of. I kind of respect it too because it's like he's like I have a you know fuck it. I'm still right. like I'm still the future Kang. What's like, funny? What's funny in a way is that like bald takes on many forms and conforms to many attitudes, like. Sometimes when someone is bald, like me, for instance, and I haven't shaved my head in quite a while, but I always wear a hat, so it's not really that big a deal. But mainly it's just because every time I get time to do it, my son is taking a nap and I can't use my sh I don't want to wake him up. So like some people, like me, when I let it go and I'm ring bald with the tuft, I look uh -huh. like a comic book store owner. I look unkempt. I look like, look <laughs> yeah. at this trashy piece of shit. You know what I mean? But then you've got guys like William, and then you've got guys like who have the exact same thing going on as me, but they're a professor at Harvard and they wear a tweed jacket. So that kind of bald looks distinguished in a way. Whereas the complete shaved head, people go, it's not distinguished. That's a choice. You know what I mean? You, you look futuristic, right? But, like, there's several balds throughout history who, for some reason, they it almost looks like that guy, he works and thinks so hard that his hair couldn't keep up, and it fell out of his head. You know right. what I mean? But whereas yeah. me, again, though, they're like, that guy shouldn't be within 200 feet of an elementary school. <laughs> Yeah, or a woman. I always think you just look, uh, you just look, you know, sort of woman slappy, kind of. Yeah. Oh, I do. You know? I look like Arn, yeah. hard Arn Anderson. Hard Arn Anderson. Yeah. Right. All right. Yeah. Well, I knew that would hit. Getting you to talk about uh, the the purported hitting this bald on Earth, but now let's talk about um, Jackie O. Jackie O. Nassus. Jackie O. Jackie O. Na that's right. Right. O Nassus. O nice. That's right. Jackie anyway. Kennedy Onassis or Jackie O. And by the way, Trey, uh, you know what? Actually, I don't know if you did this already because I lost you for a second. We need to throw to a break, and then I will be right back right after this talking about Jacqueline Bouvier Kennedy Onassis, J-B-K-O. Y'all, our new sponsor is Songfinch, and let me tell y'all, this is one of the greatest experiences I have had we have collectively had in our lives, and I'm so excited for y'all to hear the final product. Basically, what Songfinch does is they have a huge team 
of artists who will create an original song for you. And we had them do it for putting on airs. And I'm about to let y'all listen to it. It's absolutely amazing. So is there someone extraordinary in your life and you want to tell them how special they are to you, but you can't quite find the words to capture your feelings? Guess what? Songfinch can do it. Don't get generic gifts that are just, you know, create clutter around the house. This is a unique gift that you need to get someone this holiday season, a professionally recorded song just for them, baby. Songfinch is the ultimate gift to show how much you care. It's an original studio quality song inspired by your story. It's completely unique. They walk you through the simple four-step process. Seriously, this was so easy. I was able to do it uh, to create an original song. All you got to do is tell them who the song's for, provide some personal details, and let them know the type of song that you want. I personally went with trap rap, and I'm super happy that I did. Uh, Special add-ons can help you commemorate the occasion even more, like a vinyl record of your song, one-of-a-kind art crafted from your lyrics, or adding your song to streaming services so you can more easily surprise your unsuspecting recipient. They're the only ones out there doing it that can guarantee that you'll love your song, and I promise you, you will love your song. For a limited time, Songfinch is letting our listeners upload their song on Spotify for free so you can listen to your favorite song anywhere you go. Go to songfinch.com slash POA and start your song. After you purchase, you'll be prompted to add Spotify streaming for your original song for free. That's a $50 value. This offer is only available for our listeners using our special URL, songfinch.com slash POA. That's songfinch.com slash POA. And be sure to share your songs with us, y'all. And hey, listen, if nothing I've just said has convinced you to do this, I now present you one of putting on air's new theme songs that was that was gifted to us from our friends at Songfinch. This is absolutely amazing. Y'all are gonna love it. Here it is. With a redneck flare, oh yeah. Two rednecks, but we're still fancy, putting on airs. We might not know much about history, we don't care. We gon' get drunk and we talk about yachts. We gon' get drunk and we gon' talk a lot. Dress real fancy, sit in our chairs, sip on our tea, putting on airs. Two rednecks, but we're still fancy, putting on airs. We might not know much about history, we don't care. We gon' get drunk and we talk about yachts. We gon' get drunk and we gon' talk a lot. Dress real fancy, sit in our chairs, sip on our tea, putting on airs. Okay. Your days and you better count your blessings Cause all the 
squirrels that you ran over That you think are nameless, faceless Their families are getting together and plotting on you from the attic and basement So even though Corey is dumb, fat, and bald He knows how to avoid drama, don't get squirrels involved Two rednecks, but we're still fancy, putting on airs We might not know much about history, we don't care We gon' get drunk and we talk about yachts We gon' get drunk and we gon' talk a lot Dress real fancy, sit in our chairs, sip on our tea, putting on airs Two rednecks, but we're still fancy, putting on airs songfinch.com slash poa do it to it amazing stuff and now back to the show okay jackie bouvier that's right, Jacqueline Bouvier. That sounds yeah. fancy as all get out there. It does, and that name will come up later in a pretty raven way that I did not know, and I will explain to you, and I can't wait to. Jacqueline her Bouvier. people, France. Some of her people, France. Yeah. Some of her people, indeed, France. Yeah, I mean, you know, Bouvier, that had to be France. I mean, mm-hmm. even if it was Louisiana. She, where's she from? She ain't from Louisiana, right? She is actually from uh born she was born on the upper east side at an, yeah, an apartment that's on what Park I thought. Avenue. I thought yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. That makes, makes that's what I'm saying. And if you ain't with well, them like Bouvier, if you're not from Louisiana, then yo people France. Right? Exactly. And actually, even if you are from Louisiana, yo people France, but if you're from Louisiana, I don't count that the same as just having your people be France, because that's because then you like Cajun. You know what I mean? I, Cajun Louisiana is a whole different thing than just, oh, my people, France. You know what I'm saying? That's how much Cajun people hit, actually, is that they have ties to France, but our papas still like them. Still like them. And yes, everybody's like, well, no, they don't. Let's not. Yeah. All French are pussies, except for the people except, in Bio yeah. Battery. You except know? for Beauregard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <he hits>. right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're fine. Uh, before we get going, we are switching this up, and I'm going first, but I wanted to let you know, Trey. Um, and I don't know what this means to you, but I went back and checked all the comments on YouTube and I went to the Reddit. People were very much against you on shortening the episodes. Just letting you know, it was a resounding fuck that. Uh, there was a couple Shh. people, there was a couple people that said, look, sometimes they're long and I can't finish them all at once, but it hits for me because I get to pick back up as soon as I get off work. They go, also, I feel like you'd have to be cutting everything short. I love all of your rants. I love your chemistry. Please, for the love of God, I'm not saying make it longer, but don't make it shorter. Well, I didn't say to make it shorter either. I just think that, when, you know, I wasn't saying to make it shorter. Well, this is all based on when you thought that I was about to do a four-hour episode, and I told you I just Pretty, didn't know yes. what fucking time it was. Well, that's <laughs> also making it that is making it longer. I was right. saying all that in response to the notion of making it much longer. And I was saying, I don't think we should do that. I well, wasn't I saying agree to make with it you. shorter than I one. never yeah, said right. we should do that. Anyways, right. the people have spoken. The people, I, I hit my table like a gavel. Anyways, Jacqueline Bouvier Kennedy Onassis. Uh, she, like I said, was born on the Upper East Side on Park Avenue in New York, of course. She has a sister, Lee, who is four years younger. And there's a lot of things. As soon as I start uh, researching, um, I read a book 
uh, called, holy fuck, I immediately forgot it and I didn't write it down. What Jackie Taught Us. I, re- I read a book called What Jackie Taught Us. And what I immediately start learning, and it wasn't pointed out to me until later, that I was like, oh my God, there are so many parallels between her life and Jack Kennedy's life. And, and by the way, for those of you uh, listening, yes, I'm now continuing my series on the Kennedys that I started six weeks ago. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to start a, a series on the Kennedys. And then we had a bunch of bullshit happen. So she, uh, like John F. Kennedy, uh, she has a younger sibling that they are both very competitive with. Like they are insanely competitive. Her dad's name is Jack. She's named Jackie. Both of her parents fucking hated each other. They despised each other. And a big reason was similarly to the Kennedys, their dad, whose name was, this is one of the coolest names ever. This sounds like an eighties wrestler. Black Jack Bouvier, uh-huh. <laughs> daddy, Black Jack Bouvier. He's this big Wall Street dude who just okay. fucks whoever he wants all the time. And like, dude, this is back in that era. And I know we talked about it before, but maybe we haven't gone into the specifics of just exactly how it was. But like, man, I'm. It would have been. I would like to live one year as a man. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying uh-huh. that it was. I would like to live one year as a man during this time. Is all I'm during saying. During that time, I'm about to say, you've lived 36 years as a man. I mean, well, during you, this time. It, yeah. It, no, I haven't, Trey. I've that, not lived that, 36 I, years as a man. I know. I've lived yeah, 36 I mean, years true. as a male. All right. There's right. a huge difference between yeah, a yeah. male and a man. Yeah, I'm with you. But you mean it would have to be a man in this era? Yes, and I'm not in the, saying in the butt slapping whiskey yes, lunch era. Yeah. Yes, and again, I'm glad that it's not like that. It shouldn't be like that. Men should not be able to act that way. But it's undeniable that that would be a good time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like, he, dude, he he fucks whoever he wants, and like in his mind. Like he had this very, he had this real same energy with Joe Kennedy where like he would, he would openly talk to his daughters about this. Like he didn't try to hide it at all. He's a huge piece of shit. Like he wouldn't just like have this secret family and then try to be like Mr. Dad at home. Like even when Jackie and Lee, her younger sister were, were way younger, he would just straight up tell them like, eh, you see that lady over there? Plowder. You know, after a board meeting the other day and they're like, daddy, that's rude. You know, they don't talk about that, but they were like, that. And he's, yeah. and he's, I asked he's you to like, solve this long division problem. <laughs> yeah, right. And he was just like, he was like, no, you got, you kids don't understand. Me and your mom have an agreement, so, you see. So do you like the coloring of the owl that I did or no? I don't, what does that have to do with you plowing the maid? She was he's bent over the hammer at was 1 p.m. Yeah, just you know? red in the face. Yeah, right. Hey, <laughs> shut up. I'm trying to tell you about this lady I had sex with. Yeah. What's that about a science fair? Yeah. Uh, Anyways, yeah, he would tell you, he's like, they were like, Daddy, uh, oh, don't, that's, we don't want to hear that. And he'd be like, no, you don't understand. You know, me and your mom, we have this understanding, you see. Uh, we're both married, sure, but I get to have sex with whoever I want at any time that I want. And in return, your mom Jeez. gets to sit there and gets shut the fuck up. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I won't yeah. go upside her head. You understand? Yeah. Knew that yeah. was coming. Yeah, but it was a but common arrangement back then. I yeah, find. yeah, yes. Now, and I remember when I was a kid. Well, not a kid, I won't say, but like honestly, it, more embarrassingly, probably a young man, a teenager, somebody in my twenties. I would hear something like this, and the arrangement was like, 
I get to do whatever the fuck I want. And in return, she gets all my money. Like she doesn't have to worry about anything. And I remember there was definitely a time in my life where I was like, and (laughs) that sounds pretty fucking sweet. Like, you know, if roles were reversed and I was a kept man and Amber's like, listen, you get to stay at home. I make $5.5 million a year. You ain't ever got to worry about anything. Every now and then though, I'm going to get finger banged by a Swedish masseuse. I, there's part of me that goes like, okay, appreciate it. Sweet. But it, it did. He, they would always make it out to be like, and she's totally fine with it. She's, well, she's cool with this. I mean, I think, I think there's a lot of people. I definitely think a lot of people have like arrangements, but I think a lot of the mm-hmm. time the arrangement includes a little bit of reciprocity, meaning like, yes, discretion. We've heard, we've heard tale of like, uh, you know, rock stars, people that just hit real hard are always, you know, getting pussy thrown at them and stuff. Right. A lot of them end up having these marriages. Are you here anyway? Rumblings that they've got these like, yeah. Arrangements with whoever they're with, which basically means like they fuck around on them, but the other person knows it. And it's understood whether the other party is also porking around or not. It's still, it's presented as being like, you know, like it's all above board, like everybody's right. on on the same page with it or whatever. Yeah, I mean, you know, famously everybody suggests like you know Hillary and Bill had that, but the difference is is like a lot of that is hinged on the woman being like, do whatever you want, but don't embarrass me. Don't embarrass in other words, me, right? Don't exactly. embarrass yeah, me. You get caught don't with let... this shit, makes me look bad in public, you know. So right, yeah. That's and you see different. that with rock stars all the time, where like it'll come out that they're cheating and all the cheating, and all of a sudden there's a divorce, and everybody will be like, oh, she had to know that he was doing that, and it's like, yeah, she did, but she didn't want anybody else to know, and now he's right. embarrassed her, and so she's right. not going to fucking stand for that. And I'm like, yeah, 100 percent right. get that. Um. But he, like I said, he's a big Wall Street dude. He's where Jackie gets her sense of style. He's a super sharp, sharp dresser. Like he's the type of dude that, like, he had he had two chauffeurs like at all times because he wanted one on call, and he was like, I guess they can't technically stay up for twenty four hours. And like me, hitting, you know, uh, he had tailors that were just on retainer that would just stay at his house in case he gained a little weight. And he's like, take this out, pull it back in, you know, super sharp dressing, man cheated on the, uh, the, you know, the mom all the time. Uh, but he gets, he, they get their sense of style from him. Cause he always, you know, basically told him, he's like, look girls, uh, in this life, you got to look the part. You know what I mean? Doesn't matter how you act, how you bet you, you got to look the part. And especially y'all, because y'all are women and, Y'all have to get a man because that is your primary way out. That is your only only hope at any semblance of a life is you got to find a man. Like what other, why were you even asking me about these science problems? You ain't going to do science. You ain't going to do math. You know, you don't need to know how to paint. Just fucking get a man and leave my house. That was the, uh, that was the edict. Yeah. And with him, it wasn't like, you know, for my grandmother, that was kind of what her, papa would tell their kids but for him it was like i can't afford you please leave uh get a man but for him like he was a super rich dude so it was more of that like we've talked about before where it's like i i want to expand my empire so you can't just get with some piece of shit i need to get you to get with someone who hits so that my bloodline can expand my empire can expand all that stuff well um he is one of the people who uh, lost a shit ton of money uh, on Wall Street whenever the Great Depression, the yeah, yeah, the crash happened. He had made some bad decisions, 
And funnily enough, Trey, I was blown away to hear this. It was around this time that his wife goes, you know what? I've had enough of you sticking your dick in anything that walks. I'm out of here. Right? Oh, yeah. So, Weird how that works. It's funny Just how that works. happened to line up with all the money yeah. being gone. You know what? You, know this what? Has... you don't hit no more. Yeah. Yeah. It's You know what? I'm sorry about your friends jumping out the window. That seems like it don't hit. Yeah. But I promise you it has anyway, nothing to do with that. And she dives yeah, out the door right, or whatever. Right. She ends up marrying, uh, which is kind of wild at the time because they're Catholic. Uh, they're Irish Catholic people, and that's going to come up later. They're Irish Catholic roots. It tends to be a blessing and a curse a lot in the country at this time. But, like, because not only because how we've talked about this a million times, divorce is not something like it's, dude, it's super still recent that divorce doesn't have a huge stigma. And, and it still kind of does, but it's just like, in the, we're talking up until like the 50s and 60s, dude. Like, it, you didn't do it. It's not a thing that you did. Like, you just stayed married and hated each other and right. just did whatever you wanted to do. But even more so in like the Catholic families. Like, because, dude, Catholic motherfuckers would like kick you out of the church. Like, you uh -huh. don't even get to be Catholic anymore. You know, like, yeah. I remember when, when, when I was a kid, like growing up in a Baptist household, I won't say any of their names, but I had a buddy who uh, their their parents got divorced. The woman had ran around on him like she, he didn't do nothing wrong. He didn't do a goddamn thing wrong. She ran around on him. Therefore, they got divorced. They made him stop being a deacon because yeah. you weren't allowed to be divorced. He's like, I didn't want to get divorced. And they were like, but you are. So you don't get to be a deacon. But in the Catholic Church back then, it went further where it was like, not only are you not a deacon, you just you ain't even Catholic no more. Like you can't. You can't ask forgiveness. You just go into hell because you got fucking divorced, you know? Right. Yeah, that's always been kind of wild to me. I mean, I don't know why, though. I mean, I do know why. I've talked about it before. It's because, like, I'm the place I'm from is so ravaged with despair and destitution and everything that literally everybody I knew, I had a big group of buddies growing up. And we were all real tight. I mean, there was a lot of us. I don't know eight-ish, eight, nine of us who are, like, close. One of those dudes had parents who were still married. One. Right. Everybody else I knew, every, everybody's parents were divorced that I knew on earth, pretty much. It was much. such and, the opposite and, for and Katie, us. It was the opposite for Katie, too. And I'm yeah. saying, like, uh, you know, that's how poverty be. By, but by <laughs> the way, by the way, but, so many of them are divorced now. You know what I mean? Like right. now that their kids are grown, like so many of them finally got divorced, but it was like but, stay together for the kids was like beaten into everyone so much. Yeah. Now it's where I'm everybody from. was just like, fuck these kids, I guess. Right. Uh, it's, but uh, anyway, what's going to be different about their lives? If we I, yeah. Right. Yeah. Literally nothing. Uh, <laughs> in fact, they're probably better off if we don't keep up this charade, which to, well, I dude, don't most always people disagree are better off. with, by the way. Yeah. yeah. I to say, like I used to, my parents would like flirt with getting back together every now and then when me and Paige were still kids or at home. And like, no! anytime, like, anytime that would happen, I would be like, I'd come home and like my mom would be at the house and I'd be like, what is this? Like, please don't do this, you know? And they used to like laugh. They're like, you're the only kids who doesn't want their parents to be together. It's like, yeah, well, y'all don't hit to at the same right. time together. They don't you know, like but it, each other. But anyway, I, uh, that's not just anecdotal evidence, by the way. That's science, you know? Well, I just, that's how I grew up. And so, like, I literally, in my head, I was like, 
yeah, you know, you get married, you get divorced, divorced. maybe you get married again. Like I was just like, that's just how that worked. I never even really thought about it. It was just ingrained in me, you know, and then like met Katie. And I remember that like first time that sort of came up and it became clear to me. It's like, oh, she don't plan on us getting divorced at all. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. I've made a huge mistake. (laughs) That's how I made a huge mistake. She's probably going to listen to this, but she knows, she knows this. We had this conversation, but yeah, it's like, I just, we just had two very different outlooks on marriage and really the, I mean, it's all there in the goddamn vows till death do us part and all this shit. Like it's supposed to be the version where you don't get divorced. Yeah. It's just, I had a different outlook on it. Uh, Until I get tired of your shit. I do. It's yeah. Right. But, uh, yeah, but society at large just used to, didn't even allow it. Now it's, you know, pretty rampant. So this happens. Her parents get divorced. She immediately, uh, the 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 Jackie's mom uh, marries this other Wall Street guy who hit harder. Uh, which again is surprising because like that guy is still marrying a divorcee. Like a lot of dudes that hit, even yeah. if they were attracted An to old a woman one too, right? Yeah. Like- and uh, right, an older guy, and so she marries him, and he already had a bunch of kids. So now Jackie and Lee are like in a Brady Bunch situation. They've always been the doting daughters that you know, or the daughters that got doted on, and now they've got these other siblings. Things are kind of weird, but the fact that, the fact of the matter is, the plan is still the same. They've had it beat into them that your only job in life is to get married to a man who had a large station in life was wealthy so but also they wanted them they were like y'all have to be educated you have to be very very educated which again kind of goes against the like nowadays when a woman is like i'm gonna uh all i want to do is attract a good man like she doesn't think about education she's like let me go get a tummy tuck get my titties done dye my hair blonde i'll do all this shit but back then it was like the more educated you are the better circles you can run in and the circles that you're going to run in have the dudes that like you know you're going to marry and they're going to they're going to find you challenging they're going to be like oh wow here's a woman who i can you know I guess here's a here's a really challenging, intelligent woman that I can make her life useless while she sits in the corner and doesn't do anything. I know that like fancy ladies, fancy women's for a long time and hell, I guess maybe they still do. I don't know. But like they they had to learn stuff, too. But they were not supposed to learn anything remotely practical because they weren't supposed to like they weren't supposed to be doing nothing. But they had to learn about like music and poetry and fucking for conversation like stuff for conference so they so they would be yes. cultured they would be like yes. cultured and learned about the classics and things of that nature at like a dinner party they could talk intelligently about fucking and by, opera and shit and they they were always sort of like that i think so dude and you know what man and this is gonna sound shitty but like I get why that's appealing because sometimes Amber will say something to me and I'm like, bitch, I can't take you nowhere. Like imagine <laughs> like, ima- like I'm sitting there and she'll be, she'll say something. And I'm like, imagine we was at dinner with Callie and T-Bone right now. And you said that shit. Do you know how I feel? <laughs> like, can you not pick up a book? That's not Danielle Steele for once in your goddamn life. Like, how do you not know? I'm like, you don't have to fucking, you don't have to be an expert on Pol Pot to know who Pol Pot is. Like, you can accidentally know who that motherfucker is. Do you know what I'm saying? Amber don't yeah. accidentally know shit, dog. I love her. Right. But, like, she's an embarrassment. 
you know? <laughs> I'm kidding. Sure. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, but I'm just saying, like, I'm jealous of people like Jackie O. Anyways, finding a man uh, was, was difficult back, for them because of what I said earlier, which was that the, the America, like at least that class of America, was very snobby and prejudiced, not only against people who come from divorced family, but against Irish people. And she yeah. had Irish blood on both sides. And so, you know, they're now and she doesn't look like if you see Jackie, she doesn't look Irish as fuck. I mean, she doesn't have like sweet nipples and 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 red hair, you know, potato nipples, they call them, I think, is what it is. Okay. Uh, right. Then pretty eraser head nipples that all the Irish boast about. Uh she's got, you know, she's she's she looks more, I don't know, Polish, sort of she kind of does look Greek. I don't know. Like she's got she's brown haired. She looks a little bit more exotic. Regardless, though, she's Irish, and everybody's like, oh, the Irish fucking drunks. They don't yeah. hit, but they start going to debutante balls, which I think we've discussed a little bit on uh -huh. this show. How wild so. of a goddamn thing that is! Like, yep. I know what they, I, I know what they are, and I knew that they were like, oh, the debutante, which means to debut, you know. But like the way that they talked about it in the book that I read, and also this History Channel documentary on Jackie Onassis. The way that they described it was so wild about, I'd never really heard it put this way before, but they were like, you know, Jackie didn't do well this season, so she had to do all this so that next season she could come back. And I was like, holy shit, it's like sports. You know what I mean? And it's like a draft class, right? Yeah. Except yeah. for you can, like, you go to, you get drafted every year, and, like, she wasn't really doing well. But a lot of it was because, like, she didn't, Jackie was a very independent thinking person that didn't really give a fuck about all this stuff. Whereas her sister Lee, who I mentioned was like super competitive with her. Like she was all about it. She's like, I'm going to get married quicker than Jackie. Right? So she does. She's four years of junior. She gets married to this guy named Michael Canfield, uh, who is rumored to be the illegitimate son of the Duke of Kent. So in Lee's mind, she's like, I'm winning the fucking race. Jackie around this time was engaged to this dude who was on wall street, but she broke it off because she realized like, I just don't really care for that life. That's not something that I want to do. I kind of want to work for myself, which is like heresy for a woman to say at this time. So she actually became a photojournalist and had her own newspaper column. Did you know that? No, I had no idea. Sure did. What, Later on this, in life. 50s? That's pretty, pretty early. Yeah, this, or this, late 40s, late 40s, 50s. Something yeah, like that. late 40s, early 50s. She's got a she's got a newspaper column and uh, was like pretty popular, like did well, you know, interviewed people, which is actually how she meets John F. Kennedy, uh, but they weren't really head over heels in love with each other. What really happened was she meets Jack and she meets Joe, his dad, at the same time. And Joe is infatuated with Jackie. She's unlike any other of these, you know, probably in his words, skanks that John has brought home because like his immediate thought on her was like they invite her over to the Kennedy household Camelot or whatever it is. And like their family had a, a really bad way of like, you know, sort of interrogating anyone who was not in the family to sort of try to like figure out what they were about. They would shit on them, see if they're tough enough. And Jackie apparently like, she just didn't take none of their shit. Like she was just like, Hey, you know what? You don't like it. Fuck you. And Joe was just like, this, this is the one, this is the one for you. John didn't feel that way. Apparently Jackie didn't even feel that way about John, but like Joe was like, I'm sorry, this is happening. You're going to be really good for him because Jack was starting to run 
uh, for Senate at this time, and he had begun to have this reputation that he would hold until the day that he dies. He would hold it till now that we're talking of being this huge pussy hound. And uh-huh. during this time, now it, it, it's it's actually you wouldn't if we had a person running for president right now that was single, that would be weird. It would be weird now. You know what I mean? Back yeah. Then, oh, dude, you definitely couldn't. Yeah. No. You, well, actually, though, one of them, uh, Garfield. Was it, was it Garfield? I was going to say think Garfield was I single. That, I knew they're definitely one of them fellers from way back. Uh, way back, meaning like early 1900s or somewhere around in there, was yeah. a was a, a a bachelor, lifelong bachelor, which is super I, weird. It is weird. I think it was. I want to say it was still in the 1800s, and I've always thought to myself, like, well, that's because we were still figuring out what a candidate looked like. You know, things were different. You know, maybe he'd been with a lady and she got shot, you know, whatever. But, like, at least in the time that John's running. Buchanan was the only president who never married. How old? When did he? When was he president? Um, I mean, eight. Right before the Civil War, that's how much it okay. didn't hit having a, a an unmarried guy in the White House. <laughs> right, he fucked it the all country up. apart. But by the time, but see, so I, you know, and I don't know. I wasn't alive during the eighteen hundreds or seventeen hundreds, and I know that politicians are always politicians. But like, Jack is coming of age, and during that era of politics, it was well, it's the TV era. You know, that's a that's a huge different thing. Like Buchanan. The only thing people knew about him was what was written about him, right? Well, John's coming up in the TV era, so it's a type of politician that has to be even more polished, even more put together and presented as some sort of like Hollywood's idea of a politician. And in in Joe's mind, you're never going to get there if you're single. People need to know that you're stable, that that someone can stand you. That, but also... I think there's definitely another element of it that like <laughs> that. I, and I just looked this up because I thought he did. Alec Baldwin's character in the departed talks about, he does. If, if you want to get ahead, why, why it's important to be married. And he says, people know you're not a fag. Yeah. He said, marriage is an important part of getting ahead. Let's people know you're not a homo. Married yeah, guy right, seems homo. more stable. People see the ring. They think at least somebody can stand this son of a bitch. That's right. Ladies see the ring. <laughs> they, know you, they know immediately you must have some cash or your cock must work. So, yeah. um, yeah. Yeah, it's just like the uh, the prevailing wisdom. I think that like not it's funny, being I didn't gay even think part of it was is huge. Like, I think was a huge part of it. Was huge. It, it's like, funny. I didn't even. Th- I I've seen that movie a million times, and I didn't realize that everything I was saying was based purely on what Alec Baldwin had yeah. said. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which well, so much of my like, life is. It just is. You know, yeah. that's like well, that's it's true. Good, it's a good quote because that is how people look at it. You know. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, they they end up uh, you know getting together or whatever, and around this time, this is Lee and Jackie's competitive spirit sort of rears its head again because Lee had gotten married before Jackie, but Jackie then now she's married to what people were like, dude. Jack Kennedy's the most eligible bachelor in the world, right? He because bef- like a lot of people don't really know this, like he before like the reason that he was such a darling for president is that like yeah he's the junior senator from massachusetts he obviously comes from this family of like wealth and glory and all this stuff he he looks great despite the fact that and i'm saving this more for the uh the john f kennedy episode but like the motherfucker was in poor health all the yeah. time and i think I know we, we know a lot yeah and like i i did know that but in my findings it's worse than you think and i'll save it for the john f kennedy uh episode but like it's even worse than you'd think um 
but he's the most eligible bachelor in the world because he, all of what I just said, but he'd also written a bestseller in Profiles in Courage, which also he got the Pulitzer Prize for it. We're talking before he's the president, he wins the Pulitzer Prize writing this book, Profiles in Courage. So Lee is like, God damn it, somehow Jackie has bested me again. So Lee and her Wall Street husband, they had moved to London around this time and they're having a really super posh life. Like they're invited, they're living near Buckingham Palace. They they're invited to all this aristocratic stuff, but she's just like, ah, he don't hit. So she starts fucking this Polish prince who was like 20 years older than her. Like, ah, that's, you know, I'll show him. So that's what was going on in her life. Um, Jackie and when Jackie and Jack first got together, she had a ton of miscarriages. Uh, I'm not sure if a lot of people know that, but she had a bunch of miscarriages. It was very important, obviously, that they immediately start having kids, not only because like, eh, they're Irish cats, that's what you got to do, but like family, a sense of security, that's a very big political thing. But she's having all these miscarriages. And like, uh, you know, I know that John F. Kennedy is not the hero that America has panned him out to be. I've always been at least a kind of a fan because I was like, well, listen, I just assume that every president sucks. So I go for the one who I think sucks the least or at least like eh, while they were sucking, they meant something. They tried to do some good things. But apparently all these miscarriages, he's letting her have just like totally on her own. He's out on a boat just having sex with ladies uh, after a third miscarriage, which she'd been like super depressed about all of them. Like they phone him uh, to tell him on a boat, like, Hey, she had another miscarriage. You're not having a kid. And he, he was quoted as going, Oh, so I guess my trip's over now. <laughs> <laughs> Always something. Always something. Goddamn. Um, but it's also now speculated. And this is sort of a kind of goes back to a thing we were talking about with, Henry the eighth, when, you know, these women are having these pregnancy troubles and it's the, it's always blamed on them, but actually it's the men. It's speculated that the reason that she had all these miscarriages is because John F. Kennedy had given her chlamydia and that she'd had chlamydia this whole time. And therefore, you know, you can't yeah, have a kid. You'll, good. Ha you'll have that, you know, right. Do all that boat porking like he was doing, you know, right. right. And uh, and and none of like the thing is, as I was talking about earlier with her dad, Blackjack Bouvier, with John F. Kennedy's dad, Joe Kennedy, none of his philandering ways was kept a secret from Jackie. She knew that like this was how he was. Her main thing, again, as we talked about earlier, was don't embarrass me. Don't get caught. You know what I'm saying? Because like her dad had told her a million times, like, look, this is just the things that dudes do. And your mom's going to get the money and you're going to get all this glory because he's going to be president. So you got to compromise. Uh, so in 1960, John F. Kennedy, he wins the Democratic Party's nomination to become president. Youngest dude to ever get the nomination. We all know he goes on to be the youngest president ever. Jackie, uh, actually not the youngest first lady, though, because that was, I want to say Garf. No, no, we said Garfield was the bachelor, right? No, or was Buchanan that Buchanan? Was the bachelor. Yeah. Garfield's wife was only 21 <laughs> when he got elected president. And nice. of course, he was like 50. Yeah. Um, so, and we all know that this was one of the most, at the time, definitely the high, high, most highly contested uh, election of all time. I mean, John F. Kennedy beats Richard Nixon, who was the vice president at the time, by like a 0.5% margin or some shit like this. And when he's, when he's running, like in the campaign, 
And this is very surprising because of what would later happen in like who we now know Jackie O to be, or if it wasn't Jackie O then, but like Jackie, like we know her to be like, she was such a brand, you know, but at first they didn't have her front and center in the campaign because a lot of John Kennedy's advisors, they thought they were like, she's too exotic. Like she's too learned. She's too smart. She's mm -hmm. too much of an intelligent independent woman the american yeah. women are not going to be able to relate to her it's going to be uh -uh. a detriment they're going to be like right. look at this bitch that knows stuff you yeah. know i mean well that don't hit for them you know i mean it reminds me of uh the, the petticoat affair you know back, right like, back then like when it don't hit for them when for for you know when some other woman comes in knowing stuff and looking good no that, that don't hit pisses them right off but they don't like it i'm not saying nowadays i'm talking about only women in the past obviously women today guns all get it and yeah for sure are, uh you know totally uh cool you guys are cool sure you rule katie yeah, especially but, listening but, but, to this but back i know then, but back then that's just how women were you know what well, she eventually makes all of them aware of just how wrong they were because Jackie, yes, she was educated. She also, by the way, could speak several different languages, some of them fluently. But if even if it wasn't fluent, like every almost every single language that exists in America, she at least had a passing knowledge of like social language for them. So when Jack's on the campaign trail, if he's in Boston, she speaks Italian, right? If, if they're in any other, like if they're in, in uh, Texas, she can speak Spanish. She's at least saying hello to these people. And it really means a lot to these, you know, probable constituents. Like, oh, my God, like she she understands me. She's able to talk to me. It means a lot to them. Also, when she's in Louisiana, she was able to speak French because, as we said, last name Bouvier. Remember uh -huh. uh, when I said earlier that Irish the iris were discriminated against well because of that when jack is running and everyone is wanting to find out more about jackie she doesn't mention her irish roots right she doesn't mention any of that shit instead instead what she talks about is her grandfather's grandfather bouvier's french and english roots and the fact that she had ties to Southern aristocracy, the higher ups in the Confederacy and people that owned slaves, because apparently in the sixties, that yeah. was better yeah. than yeah. being Irish. Irish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, dude, of course it was, especially if you campaign. Well, cause he was a, you know, a Democrat. Democrat. Dixiecrat. The, the, yeah. the South was all Democrat at that time. And so, you know, of course it has to be like, yeah, you know, my papa used to run around with fucking uh, pork chop McClellan or whoever, you know. But you know what's crazy about, like, him being a Democrat and, yes, all the South being Democrats at the time and them being Dixiecrats? And, like, we know that, like, you know, Lyndon B. Johnson would famously say of some of their policies, like, we've just lost the South for, you know, the next 60 years or whatever. But, like, they yeah, were starting all— Starting to seem like Eva, by the way. Yeah, starting to seem like Eva, for sure. Yeah. But regardless, like, it is wild, though, to me, because he's, like, obviously he's the guy at the crux of that whole, like, when the party shifts. You know, like, it'd been, it'd been changing a little bit just over time. But, like, John F. Kennedy himself is, like, heralded through history as a progressive candidate, even well, though because, the South was— the re it it's because that the the Democrats were all they were super hardcore like regular rights. working people right like regular working people which the South was filled with, but not 
that did not include black people, black people, right. right? Which is why it's, they still hit in the South. But like Republicans back then, they didn't give a fuck about black people either. It's just that right. neither party was giving a fuck about black people. Right. And black people, like when they came in, you know, they also were largely working class working and that class, type of yeah. thing. And so they like had that association with the Democrats, but the Democrats didn't actually give a fuck about them. But then when they decided to, you know, do the right thing during the civil rights era and what and whatnot, and Lyndon B. Johnson and them, they understood they're like, if we do this, then, uh, you know, the South right. is going to be, is which gonna is, be gone. Which is what I meant. Like John F. Kennedy was like such a transitional president, like for all that, you know right. what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, yeah, it's just, it's just kind of wild, but she, so, uh, she, the, he's elected. She's immediately dubbed the first lady of fashion because she wore like super expensive French dresses, like Italian shit, Versace, all that stuff or whatever. But then she's criticized for this a lot by Jack's political enemies. They're saying like, Hey, look at this, you know, uh, these people, you know, claiming to love the working man, they're spending, you know, $5,000 on a dress. And not only that, they're buying it. It's foreign dresses. They're all coming from France. You know, they don't even give a shit about the American economy. So Jackie being very smart, what she did was she, <laughs> she hired this fashion designer from the United States who would get fabrics from France, but then technically make them like he was from over there, but he came over here. So he would make all of these things and she could go, Hey, this was made in America. I don't know what to tell you, uh, which is pretty badass in my opinion. I mean, you know, fuck all these people spending all that money, but like, it's kind of a nice fuck you. Uh, and yeah. I did not know this at all, but, and maybe you did, but apparently shortly after Jackie and Jack are in the white house, her sister Lee uh, she starts not really giving a shit about this Polish prince that I had mentioned because he's getting old as fuck or whatever. And she starts having an affair with one Aristotle Onassis. Did you know this? No. I didn't know that either because obviously we know, you know, spoilers, that's who Jackie ends up being married to. But Lee uh -huh. apparently, and I guess that's her first, that's how she gets introduced to him is he's fucking her sister. Small world. Her first order of business tray when she becomes first lady, because we know that, you know, they have to make up their own job. The president gets hurled into this thing, but the first lady has to make up her own job. Aside from what her first job was, her first order of business was she told the press, don't fuck with my kids. All right. Listen to me. My kids are going to have a normal goddamn life or as normal as is humanly possible for the president's kids to have. You are not to take pictures of them. If you do, you will be banned from the White House. We will get you We will get you fired. Your press credentials will be taken off. No pictures of my goddamn kids. Not only that, one of the first things she did was she set up a private school at the White House for her kids to have, like, they had a teacher, they had, like, a principal, they had all this stuff. Her kids were in it, and there were also, like, 25 other students of, like, you know, di diplomats yeah. and all staffers, this shit. Staffers' yeah, kids. Staffers' yeah, right. kids. They would go there, and it was all very normal. And hush, hush, this was also one of the first integrated schools in America. They didn't make a big deal about it because that would be a big fucking stink. But, like, and by the, when I say the first integrated school, there was one black kid in it. But right. that was huge. A black kid went to school at the White House. Yeah. And this is years before John F. Kennedy did anything with civil rights. This was Jackie being uh -huh. like, well, I mean, why wouldn't he be? He's this dude's kid, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, she 
her first real, like the first thing that she like, whereas Michelle Obama's was apparently getting kids to shove broccoli up their butt, you know, uh-huh. or whatever it is that she wanted mm-hmm. us to do. Buying and cheeseburgers. Yeah, right. Her first order of business when she became first lady was to, uh, she thought the White House looked like shit. She's like, the White House, it don't hit. This place is supposed to be like Buckingham Palace, which by the way, I've been to. You know, she's like, she's like, it looks like shit. It looks so lived in. She's like, it should not look like this. The White House should look like a museum. So she decides she's going to spruce it up, right? This is a quote from her. Every boy who comes here should see things that develop his sense of history. For the girls, the house should look beautiful and lived in. They should see what a fire in the fireplace and pretty flowers can do for a house. The White House room should give both a sense of all that. Everything in the White House must have a reason for being there. It would be sacrilege merely to redecorate it. That is a word that I hate. Instead of being redecorated, it must be restored. Right. So okay. interestingly, she's like, the boys should learn history and the women should be like, see, <laughs> can you see what, what happens when you make a house look nice? Isn't that good? That's what you should be doing, fixing shit up. Uh, she's also the one that like the reason that the Lincoln bedroom is what the Lincoln bedroom is, is because of her. Like before it was just all like, we got our shit here, whatever. But she decided to decorate every single room in there based on a period of American history. So the Lincoln bedroom is decorated in the Victorian style that was popular in, you know, from the, in the 1860s or whatever. So like how the white house is now as a museum and as sort of like, you know, it's own little Biltmore. None of that would be if it wasn't for Jackie O saying, Hey, this needs to be something that people take pride in. It's not just a place where Andrew Jackson gets to put out a wheel of cheese in the lobby. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Well, that's pretty cool. It is cool. So then John F. Kennedy got shot. Uh, you know, we all yeah. know how that went. Uh, and after he got assassinated, Jackie, uh, she was going through grief. She moves back to New York. She's trying to focus on her kids. She ends up marrying Aristotle Onassis, who is a shipping magnate. This is when she becomes Jackie Onassis or Jackie O. Uh, by the way, no one in America wanted this to happen. Everyone was so fucking pissed. Like they, when Jackie yeah. gets married to him, it was like she was letting down the country because right. she, she was, was supposed she, to just be just racked Jack's with grief for the forever. rest of time. Yeah, right. Yeah. And yeah. also, well, he was like foreign. Mature and fair. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm being foreign. That don't hit. But hey, it was a magnate. Magnate. Not right. easy to. I have no idea how one goes about becoming a magnate, but I know Me that either. they hit. Yeah. I don't even know how magnets work. You know, I'm, right? I'm yeah. a, I don't know how magnets or magnates work. Yeah, I have no idea. But yeah, basically that was it. They thought that like her duty was to be the national widow forever, and like by marrying yeah. Jack, by marrying Onassis, she was turning her back on the Kennedys. Which, by the way, financially she did because by doing this, she lost the Kennedy trust fund. However who gives a shit because her and Aristotle Onassis lived on his private Island called yeah. Scorpios. <laughs> How badass nice. is that? Uh, Pretty sweet. She was, she was also rumored to be super heavily medicated. A lot of the time during this, um, she, you know, she just, it was, it was hard for her to deal with all the grief. So she was kind of fucked up all the time. Uh, after Onassis's death in 1975, Jackie, uh, she returned to the U.S. She stopped island hopping in Greece, and she started working in publishing. And I know that because of an episode of Seinfeld. Uh, she died in 1994. I'm sorry that it ended there really abruptly, but as I, when I got to this part of my research, my son shit himself and started crying. 
And uh, and so yeah. there you go. So that's It'd that's, be like that's that. Jackie O for me. All right. Well, that hits. Yeah, I didn't know. Uh, what she die from? Uh, cancer, probably cancer. Yeah, probably, probably cancer. Because you know, cancer. not she died. One broken heart. I'll tell you that much. Right? She, she didn't died have decency. In, she was born in 1929, which means she's nine years younger than my grandmother. And my grandmother died in 2016. So, like Jackie O was a little. I'd say it was cancer. Probably lung she's cancer. 65. You know, the asthma. She was 65 yeah. when she died. That ain't. I mean, you know, that ain't that That's old. Not, especially for someone with a lot of yeah. money and money their access and to healthcare and like, stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it, it had to be cancer. Well, anyway, uh, I got a couple of these. Things. I'm just, I'll share a couple of these and then I might save a couple for, uh, for later. Again, I got this off of Reddit. It's about some of the, some of the dumbest shit that, uh, any, any, like anybody's ever done. And I say anybody, but like anybody throughout history that we hear about, generally speaking, these are people that are in uh, fancy positions. These are presidents, or prime ministers or Kings or emperors or generals. The only people, people you like could that. hear about. Right, exactly. You don't ever hear about a peasant fucking up, you know. Right, that's nobody, what, no, why your bit was so great. Nobody, nobody gave a fuck, right? So, like, so I felt like it fits. So I'll give you a couple of them. Um, starting off, I said I was going to learn some China stuff. I still haven't really dove into that, but I've got an example of this from Chinese history. You know, Chairman Mao. Oh, you know yeah. much about Chairman Mao? Oh, man. Uh, you know, just the basics. What everybody yeah. knows about Chairman Mao. Would you generally say that he did or did not hit, Cho? Where you at on that? Oh well, Pop if I quiz. had to go out, if I had to go out on a limb, I'd say don't hit. No, he don't hit. No, most he don't. chairmen, yeah, yeah. I don't care for him. Through Chairman history, Mao, Chairman <clears throat> Mao Zedong led to a whole bunch of people dying. Uh, his own people too, which is you know always hits for everybody else just fine. You can kill as many of your own people if you, as you want. But anyway, one of the ways that wasn't that the Eddie Izzard bit about Eddie Hitler? Izzard had a bit about that. Yeah, it's <laughs> like yeah. Hitler killed the people next door. All oh, stupid. Oh, shoot, mine. mine. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so one of the ways in which he did that, uh, admittedly, um, you know, inadvertently, in 1959, he came to believe, or he had determined somehow, that sparrows were the bird. Eating, the bird sparrows were eating up all their grain, right? All their crops that they were growing. So sparrows needed to be killed. So he put out an edict to everybody to kill all the sparrows in China. And I don't know how, you know, sparrows, I don't know how many sparrows there are as compared to how many Chinese people, but if it's at all parallel, that's a shitload of sparrows, right? But sure, uh, yeah, all the I sparrows in China. Uh, but anyway. And when was this? What year? The 50s, like the okay. 1950s. Because well, right, I was wondering, I was like, I didn't know if guns were a thing yet. And I was like, fucking Ninja Star. I know that's Japan. Right, but like, I didn't yeah, know no. like, what they were using. So, so they, and it was pretty, it was a successful campaign. They killed most of the sparrows. Well, and the sparrows did eat grain, but that the sparrows were not to blame for their, like over their larger grain problems. Those problems were actually caused by insect pests, like locusts and things like that. Were, the things were that actually, the sparrows ate. And the insects were primarily kept in, uh, you know, check. in in check at all by sparrows who ate them. Now that all the sparrows were gone, the insect population boomed out of control. Ate all day grain. They had no food, and everybody died. Dude, it's so great how throughout history we only learn how the ecosystem works when we fuck it up. You know what when, I mean? Like killed ten million people. Yeah. I'm like, Ugh, well, that oh, wasn't. Damn. I guess we won't do that again. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, just like that's my bad. Yeah, that's that's me. That's on me. Sorry about that. Tens of millions of people. A couple other instances of a similar thing. Um, there was a a city, and it doesn't say on here where. One, there's two examples. One of them when the, during the British Raj, when Britain controlled India, it was called the British Raj. Yeah, you didn't know my, that the R no, R A or R A J the Raj. My yeah. Indian buddy's name Raj. That hits for me. That's why that's funny. Well, yeah, I have several I, Indian buddies, but one of them is named Raj. I don't know why it was called that, but yeah, the <laughs> British Raj was like the term of the or for the the like British regime in well, India. It's wild, like, wild that his name is Raj. Then yeah, it is. That almost seems like that would be insulting or something. Right. I would think, but I don't. I don't know. Some you know, It'd be like, like my papa naming me Hanoi Corey, you know, or some <laughs> shit like yeah, that. Right. Yes, but. uh <laughs> Yeah, it yeah, British Raj. Raj is the word for rule in Indy in in or in Hindi. So rule, that's so that, he's that's a ruler. Raj is means yeah, Raj leader. just means rule or ruler. Okay. But it was called the British Raj because it was the term for British rule. Anyway, during the British Raj, uh the Brits all them snakes they had didn't hit for them, right? Uh, all the Indian especially, snakes? Yeah, especially the cobras. And the ones in the baskets? Yeah, yeah, cobra, yeah right. Yeah, yeah. Basket snakes are very frightful in nature. I don't care for I those. I thought it was know. scones in there. You've seen the hoods on they've got on them. They're <laughs> unpleasant indeed. I don't care for those cobras. So they issued an edict that to, for everybody to kill all the cobras, right? Um and they had a reward, like if you brought back like a cobra head or whatever, you get a, a pittance for it. So what started happening was people started breeding a whole bunch of cobras. They just had to, like cobra yeah. farm, just a basket full of fucking cobras fucking <laughs> and making baby cobras and stuff to then kill and go right. trade in for money. But obviously that's not decreasing the population of cobras. When the right. British find out that that's happening... They're like, well, cease and desist, right, right away. You know, like that's. that's not we must we write in. another edict. Yeah, we yes, we need an edict to cancel the previous <laughs> edict, and we need it uh, very, very quickly. <laughs> but uh, so that's what they did. But when they canceled said edict, and the program went away, everybody just opened up their baskets of snakes and just let them all go. Right? Yeah, of course. Why would you? What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do with all these fucking snakes now that you didn't get no money for killing them anymore? So they just let them all go. So they actually like greatly increased the population <laughs> of venomous snakes in India at the time. And the exact same thing happened another time in history, but with rats. In like a medieval less European scary, city. more gross. Uh, yes, you know, the exact I would, same thing. People started breeding rats. It, literally the exact same story, but just with rats instead of snakes. But but yeah, same thing. How do they not see this shit coming? You know, like know. we're hey, yeah. we're gonna give all these fucking people their derelict. You know, they don't have anything. Here's uh, some money if you bring us these things. Like you're gonna make more of those things. So. I liked this one. This is another uh, a good story of somebody fucking around and finding out from history. Uh, in the late 70s and early 80s, New Zealand had a prime minister named Robert Muldoon. Right? Robert Muldoon. Robert Muldoon, yeah. But Which you may recognize, Robert Muldoon is the name of actually <clears throat> what was one of my favorite characters from Jurassic Park when I was a kid. He's the clever girl, that guy. Yeah, dude, the, the yeah, yeah, yeah. His name was Robert Muldoon. Not clever related, girl. obviously, but... Uh, this totally different Robert Muldoon, and this one largely did not hit. He was like controversial, but he was a big populist, anti-establishment, 
kind of drain the swampy sort of in New mm-hmm. Zealand in the late 70s, early 80s, right? Loud mouth, brash, all this stuff, and a bit of a drunk, right? So he was controversial, and I think he had a couple of terms. He was going to run again, and uh, they have a rule in New Zealand, or at least New Zealand, or at least they did, where the sitting prime minister can just call for an election anytime they want to, right? Like, if the, why would they... Like if they don't want to be the prime minister anymore, I guess maybe it's for like if they decide it's time for them to retire or resign right. or something, then they can like call that. for an election or something like that. But anyway, the sitting prime minister could call for an election anytime they want to. So, dude, we should do that. In 1984, dude, in American presidents would just never do it. Of though, course they I wouldn't. But like I don't but know, like it would hit if like Biden, like if he yes, like beat that Trump, would be and awesome. right after that, Biden was like, "Hey, let's just run it back because I'm ready to go to the house anyway." And yes. then we had a whole different election. But anyway, but we don't do that. So, but in 1984, this dude, Robert Muldoon, he got drunk and held a press conference out of nowhere where he said he was calling for an an election, a snap election, because he just wanted to just get it, get it over with, get it done, get it out of the way. And they were at the, the presser. They were like, well, that he said, it's going to be in a month. It's going to be a month from now. And he's like visibly drunk during this press conference. And they're like, <laughs> they're like, well, that's not going to give you very much time to like campaign or to prepare. And he's like, oh, uh, it's not not going to give my opponents very much time to <laughs> prepare either, is it? You didn't think about that, did you? <laughs> wow. Well, what are they time for? I just want to get this thing done. You know, he's like slurring his words and shit. Yeah, right. And, uh, and so they had the election and he got his ass whipped and lost his job and, you know, just never had to do that in the first place. So, Dude, have you ever thought about funny. how many press conferences I would personally call if I was famous and rich? Yeah. Like yeah. you, you were on well read the other day, the whole candy bar conversation that we had, uh-huh. I would call the press like the very second, like as soon as Butterfinger changed their recipe, I yeah. would have people from the Washington post lined up in front of me and several microphones giving right, expelling a treatise that I had just written. I long, that's actually, I've never wanted to be famous. I've only wanted to be rich. But I want to be famous now so that at the drop of a hat, I can just call a press conference. I mean, if you people that are hugely famous, if you think about their social media presence, they don't it's need a press, a press conference. conference. Right. They just like go live or whatever, and it's the yeah, same thing. I want it's a press conference. the same thing though. as having a press conference. It's nah, probably, I want it to be official. Probably reaches more people. I want uh, people to have to be have their day ruined the, yeah, to come see show, me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this is, one, this is one I thought was funny, too because of how insignificant it is. That's exactly what makes it funny. So in ancient Greece, uh, in 408 BC, there was an a actor, while back. an actor by the name of heat, uh, shit. Hegelocus. 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 Who could forget? Hegelocus. <laughs> he was an actor at the time performing in a play by the famous play, playwright Euripides. Right? It was the Euripides. first fast and furious. It was Orestes, famously, right? Anyway, whatever. He's like the lead in this play, a known actor at the time, Hegelocus. The climax, the big dramatic climax of the play, he playing the king, the king lay dying at the climax Mm -hmm. of this play, and he's supposed to say, after the storm, I see again a calm sea. And then he dies, right? Like, ah, my troubles are behind me. After the storm, I see again a calm sea. The word for sea or calm sea is uh, Galen, 
right? But he accidentally mispronounced it as Galen or Galen, which meant what he actually said was, after the storm, I see again a weasel, right? <laughs> and been there. This is the only recorded piece of information about Hegelocus from all of history, right? <laughs> and it has stood the test of time. Like it, that's what's so funny to me about it is like having performed in plays and as a comedian and stuff like that. I know you fuck up, and then you're like, oh, "God damn it!" And I'll get it other next people, time. Other people be like, "I oh, dude, those people didn't even notice, right?" You know what I mean? It's like even if they did notice, nobody's going to remember that shit. Right. On to the next performance, no one's going to remember. But like. It is to fucking this day. 2,500 years later, 2,500 years later, two dipshits are like conversing across the ether about his fuck up in that yeah. play that night. That's so funny to me. That to is so like, funny. I wish I knew that he could somehow be made aware of that. Like his spirit I know. down there like, in Hades or that's whatever. That's what it's I would like, do with like, a time God, machine. still talking about that. It's like, people don't forget, dude. Yeah, yeah right. That, yeah, that, like, that, if you could take a, a time machine and go back and tell him, be like, just, just so you know, this is never going away. Yeah, Thousands you know what? of years from now, people are going to be finding out about how you fucked that up. We like, can't, we can't do it. It's just so funny, dude. We can't do it right now, but I would like to put a bookmark in what we've just said for a future episode. It would yeah. be fun to have an episode where me and you decide how we would use the time machine because everybody goes kill Hitler, right? Right. Everybody right. goes kill Hitler. But my brain immediately goes to like, I, I'm with you. I would love to go back and fucking tell this guy, by the way, one yeah. of the most consequential fuck up fuck ups in playwright history. Like I, I would love for us to do an episode of like what we would do and where we would go. That'd be fun. All right. Well, we could save it for the future. And speaking of saving it for the future, I'm going to do that with some of the rest of these. I'm going to start the next episode with some of these. Cause sounds good. It's about time to wrap it up with some air mails. I'm That's assuming. great. Okay. That's great. All right. Uh, here we go. Subject line. Alex, what is a Jutland? All right. This is from my friend Misty. POA learnt me a double jeopardy question. Today, 1130, the category was islands and peninsula. Answer, not Pokeland or protrude land, but this peninsula forms the continental part of Denmark. Nice. What, and then she says, what is some place that juts? It juts out there. It's a land dick. What is yeah. Jutland? $1,600. Yeah. Love yep, y'all yep. and all this universe, Misty Look M. Bowers, us. my friend. Learning people's stuff. That's fun. That is fun. Subject line. They had to know this one was getting through. Corey is sexy AF. Also with an emoji with the uh, hearts mm -hmm. uh, in the place of the eyes. Yeah. Classic. Listen here, bucko. Enough with the self-deprecating comments, humorous or otherwise, and not just here, but all across the universe. You are positively darling, smart, thoughtful, compassionate, empathetic, modest, genuine, well-written, and super funny with a positively adorable and infectious smile. So what if you don't have great hair like Trey or a rockin' bod like Mark? No offense to the rest of the crew, but nothing is more attractive than a 100% top shelf, fantastic human, which you definitely are. If I met y'all at a party, Corey is unquestionably the one I'd be swooning over. Obviously, your awesome wife would agree she would not. Uh, so no more trash talking yourself. This goes for the rest of the boys, too. Love y'all like organic, grain-fed, free-range chicken, Jess in Utah. Go ahead, Trey. 
Well, I was just going to say you're not supposed to write your own airmails, but yeah, anyway, right. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, hey, I'm glad that you admit that I can write. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, well, Jess is going to love the whole bald segment of this episode. Sure is. Because you went in on yourself a little bit there too. Which sure is. Fine. is. Uh, subject line: This motherfucker came close. Hey. Uh oh. Tell Ricky Bobby that at least one person got close. I listened to 21,133 minutes of Well Read. Not sure about the others, but four of my top five podcasts were from the Skewniverse. Y'all need to make another podcast so my whole top five can be from the Skewniverse. Love y'all. Stay fancy, motherfuckers. Thank you, Justin. We appreciate your patronage. Very much, yeah. Let's Super see rad. here. Subject line, in the harem. All right. Says, I'm sure you have heard the line, who will watch the Watchmen? Or, yeah. as it was originally said, qui custodet eposis custodes. Nice. And undoubtedly assumed it was part of some deep meditation on political philosophy. Nope. That, it's all about the eunuchs guarding the women's yeah, quarters of upper that, class Roman households. These sense. were Europe. Yeah, these were European-style eunuchs who were simply castrated like your cat, so there was a slight possibility that they could still get up to hanky-panky even if they weren't going to be fathering any children. That's nice. Yeah, no, that's very fascinating. Thank you for that. Yeah, who will watch the Watchmen? Because, yeah, they were the Watchmen because they were supposed to watch over the harem of women's, uh, but everybody thought they were sneaky and getting up to stuff, and they would get up to stuff at times, so that's uh, interesting. Thank you for that. Well, there you go. Pretty good airmail. Right. None of them this week had 19 paragraphs, so I guess right. we do have time to promote our shit. Uh, yep. I would like to say off the jump, we're going to be in Nashville December 14th through the 16th. So as this comes out next weekend, baby, Nashville, we're going to be at Zany's, me, Trey, and Drew. It's the well-read Christmas. It's a holiday tradition. We can't wait to see you. Trey, tell them other stuff from you. Yeah, I'll be uh, tonight and tomorrow. I was there last night, too, but it's too late for that. I'll be at the Grove Comedy Club in Lowell, Arkansas. Y'all know where that is if you're in the northwest Arkansas area. So come and see me. TreyCrowder.com. Look at all my 2024 dates. Come and see us at Zanies if y'all are fellow Tennesseans of mine. And then, uh, yeah, just see us on the road and check out our book around here and over yonder. That'll do it for me. Appreciate you. Yeah, and listen to all the podcasts in the universe. as our buddy was mentioning. Trey's got weekly SKUs uh, every Tuesday night with Smart Mark AG. It's a live stream that you can get on all of Trey's pages, but it also comes out in podcast form for you to listen to at your leisure. We've got the Well Read Podcast announcing right now that my podcast, Through the Screen Door, is coming back. So there, you can add that, and next year, all top five of your podcasts will be in the universe. Also, go to bonuscory.com, which will be the uh, uh, de facto Patreon for Through the Screen Door. There you can get all my bonus stuff, my audio dramas, all that good shit. But seriously, come see us in Nashville if you're in the area. We love you. We'll see you later. And as always, stay fancy, mother fuckers. Skew. Here's Lydia Loveless. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. Royalty and rednecks are alike. They both like cutting and picking fights. Biscuits and baked beans where they don't belong. Sit on down with Corey and Trey and learn some fancy shit today. We'll laugh and let leave and when they're wrong. They'll take you to a magical place where if you call someone a cut, nobody cares. They keep it debonair at putting on airs, putting on airs. 
NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Woo! As an adult, don't we all miss spring break? Nothing like taking a week off from all your responsibilities. Well, here's the next best thing for adults, a spring break from house payments. SaveWithConrad.com can help you get rid of all your credit card debt, just like that. We're routinely helping our listeners save five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month. And you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this, but check this out. No house payments for two months at SaveWithConrad.com. 